Hello, adventures. My name's Tyler. And I'm Richard. On today's episode, joined by the one and only Dead Aussie Gamer, we'll be discussing the benefits of tabletop gaming and what it means for your mental health. Welcome to True Strike. Howdy, folks, and welcome back to our show. You heard right. We have Dead Aussie Gamer with us today. Welcome to our little corner of the internet, Dag. G'day. Thanks for having me. Um, it's uh, it's great to be here. I uh, I always love getting to meet uh, all new people who are like so passionate about D&D that they become content creators, and it's great to, to finally meet both of you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's super exciting to have you uh, on the show. Uh, we have seen you before. Uh, we saw you live, oh, actually, yeah. at Gen Con this year. Yeah, we we actually forgot to mention that <laughs> in getting to meet, yeah, uh, right. getting to know you. Yeah, we saw you and and Duke and pals, and that was wonderful. And we literally, I think, we've oh. talked about you like at least once a week since. Yeah, in our, yeah. our <laughs> upper echelon of favorite uh, GMs. Just because, oh, man, that's... you are quick and witty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice. I um, Gen Con was was such a blur, and and yeah, no, I, uh, I I I wish I could I could say that I recognized the two of you from the event, but but to be honest, <laughs> I, I was I was I was so run off my feet, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. But uh, the games were were so amazing, and they were so much fun, and it was Absolutely. so great to actually you know um, get to be together with the people that I've worked with for so long. Um, you know, Duke, of course, is uh, is amazing and so much fun. And I ha I got the pleasure of actually hanging out with him twice this year. So I was, you know, living in Australia, it's it's a little hard to kind of get out there and you know actually meet and hang out with people. But yeah, no, uh, Gen Con was uh, such good memories this year. I swear. Awesome, awesome. Well, today uh, we wanted to talk to you uh, and uh, us about uh, mental health and tabletop gaming and how they mingle together. Yeah, it's something we'd actually we've been talking about doing. We've we've dipped into it every now and then uh, amongst our uh, you know echelon of episodes, and we we've been wanting to put together a full episode. Especially it's in my household. My my wife uh, does a lot with mental health and different um, like children and adults and like getting them ready for society and stuff. And we were actually just you know talking about it one day. And I think actually me and Richard work together and <laughs> I was, I was joking with him and I was like, you know what? It would be really cool to have someone like fun on this. And I, I was like, you should, you should try for Dag. And he was like, nah, you try for Dag. And I was like, fine, I will. <laughs> and you were like, bet. And I was like, Richard, guess what? <laughs> oh, so, that was awesome. Yeah, Thank no, you. look. Uh, no, no, I love this. And, and the thing is, is this is actually a, um, a a great topic and one that is actually very near and dear to me. Um, for those of you who don't know, in addition to the content creation stuff that I do, uh, my the other side of my job is I work for the Australian government running TTRPGs for at-risk young people here in Australia, uh, setting up programs that run games like Dungeons and Dragons uh, to try and promote wellness through gaming. And, um, and so it so a topic like this is is very much something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that I've uh, dedicated my life to trying to uh, educate people about and try to, you know, yeah, like, yeah, help people try and facilitate and get to that place where, uh, yeah, things like the games we enjoy are helping our mental wellness um, all the time. 
That's awesome. Every once in a while, I see it, especially, you know, wizards uh, themselves, you know, making a little push here and there to get it into schools and libraries here in America. But I don't, I don't ever hear about the government actually stepping forward to use, you know, uh, tabletop gaming as the tool it can be for this kind of thing. So, wow, I didn't realize Australia's just ahead on that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, okay. So, tr truth be told, um, I was actually one of the first um, advocates for this in Australia. Okay. Uh, or at least in, or at least in WA. Um, I know that when I first started, um, the, the the general consensus was that uh, I am in youth services and I am running a youth event, and these events were just available for young people to come in. The similar way that you would, you know, offer, um, you know, a library session or something like that, a public right. event that young people could come and access. Um, but what I ended up doing over the years was spending a lot of time uh, talking about, to my uh, my colleagues, talking to uh, other members of local governments about just the absolute benefits that occur from things like tabletop role playing game, the ability mm -hmm. to focus on matters that are becoming more and more prevalent in today's society. Even things like um, self-identity and stuff like that yes. are hugely explored in TTRPGs. And as soon as I started leaning into those wellness aspects of, of gaming, other local government bodies started wanting to do it as well and would approach me and ask, uh, you know, like how to set up the program. They asked for recommendations on game masters around the, their local areas, you know. And it was um, just a, a great privilege to be able to like help facilitate this. So while I would say it is a it is a government body, uh, we, we're still kind of a little bit far away from, you know, the tax man coming around and, you know, rolling some <laughs> dice for you. You know, it's like, OK, listen, buddy, uh, you know, like your taxes are overdue. But if you can beat the bugbear horde, you know, right. we might let it slide, you know. But, you know, one day, get one day, one day. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I One of the. Like I mentioned, this is something we wanted to bring up for a while now, and, I th and you touched on it a little bit there with self-identity and stuff. And I, I, and you know, I, I would love. I mean, I'm going to call it expert opinion on this, but when I look at tabletop, one of the best things is, at least for me personally, is being able to explore the different areas of person, my my own personality, for example, or uh, even my kids. Like they'll they'll play, um, I'll run games for them, and the different ways you can express yourself in little ideas and things you've had that you can't do in your everyday life where you kind of get molded into, I am a person. I have to function. I can't just walk into a bar, like kick over a table and demand a drink. I mean, not, not saying that's always going to work at tabletop either, but you can explore that interaction and mm. you know, you just got to go to work and you got to pay your bills. And I mean, at least for us, you know, once every other week, no, we get to meet up and just be different people and, when that, when that story's over, we all have these memories and we get to make new characters and tell new stories. And it's, it's so cathartic and it's like all of us look forward to it. I mean, we're a group of five that just, all right. Oh man, it, it's coming up on Tuesday. We get to, we get to play D and D. Heck yes. Thank you. And the kids, they, they'll come up over the weekend and they're like, Hey, can we play? And every time they do a new little campaign, they're play, play different characters. And they're like, okay, I'm going to be like, a rogue, I'm going to be like super like gravelly and sneaky and, or like, oh, I'm going to be hippity hoppity, you know, like Harrington, uh, Harrington. And it's, it's fun. Like seeing d how different people react, especially first time players. Cause it seems like, at least from my, uh, experience, 
people are always like the better version of themselves, the heroic version of themselves for their first character. And then they pull apart their flaws maybe on the second one and, and really delve into something that that's a problem. Even, even in their own life, they'll like, Oh, maybe they had an issue with parents or something. And they'll put that into the character. And then your third character is always off the wall. It's zany. <laughs> it could be whatever. And I don't know. Have you seen a lot of that in people? I mean, especially, you know, younger people and stuff you've gone around and played uh, ranked games for? Oh, um, yeah, of course. Not just uh, not just young people either. I So there are so many. Uh, I, I would borderline almost say an infinite amount of methods that people... Um, access tabletop role-playing games. And whatever mm-hmm. the game system, whatever the game type, it draws out so many different aspects to how we explore and engage this game. Uh, now, mm-hmm. I know that's a whole bunch of waffly, waffly stuff, so in, in kind of a simpler term, I, I always use what we call, what I like to call the Avengers logic. Uh, the Avengers logic is where uh, if I look at a player, I can tell what kind of player you are when it comes to making characters and what you're trying to get out of it. So starting, okay. with Cap- starting with Captain America. Now, Captain America is a hero. Of course Captain America is a hero. Everyone knows this, right? But everyone knows Captain America is Steve Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. There's never a barrier that tells people Captain America isn't Steve Rogers or whoever happens to be the Captain America at the time, you know, for the comic bird nerds out there. Um, <laughs> we have players who will role-play a character and will tell you that, uh, you know, my name is Exanthus the Elven Wizard, but yes. in every aspect of the, the game, no, you're still, you know, Dan who is sitting at my table. You're not really <laughs> delving into the role play here. You're enjoying the game, you're engaging it, and you are playing the hero. Of course you are. But ultimately, yeah. I, I don't see a new character. I see Dan. Um, those people tend to play the game for catharsis. This is just simply... Uh, it, it's like going for a jog. It's like um, it's like going to eat some nice food. It is a method for them to, to just engage and enjoy, but they're not really trying to explore anything. I usually find these people are trying to push the that that you know kind of as you were saying that that reality uh, away and it, it adapt mm-hmm. to D and D and TTRPGs as that form of escapism, right? That moment where you can feel like you are a part of of this world. Yeah. Um, the second Avenger archetype is the Iron Man. The Iron Man, you'll find a lot of actors in this category. I know I'm in this category and stuff like that. And that is when you walk away from the game table, you're 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 you. You know, I'm, I'm Michael. Hi, what's up? You know, how you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the moment you sit down at a game table, all of a sudden you suit up. Yep. <laughs> you are no longer this person. I am now this, you know, hero. I am now, you know, uh, Baldwin, the dwarven ranger, you know, and, and this is who I become. You'll actually find that with uh, the Iron Man archetype, you'll have a lot of people who, tr- who have things about themselves that they wish to enhance or improve, something that they mm-hmm. they want to get better at. And I'll often find that people who fall into that category will often tell me what they want to be good at. For example, if my very, very quiet person who is suffering from uh, crippling anxiety decides to play a bard, that for me mm-hmm. communicates very clearly that this person wants to learn how to communicate. If uh, somebody who does this uh, tends to play a lot of like fightery classes and stuff like that. For me, it kind of communicates that this person has some stuff that they would need to work through, but don't but might not necessarily know how to ask for it or you know work through stuff like that. 
they're the people who try to hide stuff about themselves so they can just do the thing that, you know, that, that helps bring them that kind of measure of comfort. Um, uh, the third type, which of course, uh, for me is probably one of my favorite. And that is the, uh, the Hulk. The Hulk is someone who, and uh, this is very commonly known as the kick the door down gamer. Uh, the kick the door down gamer is what I deal with a lot, especially because I work with kids. And that is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't quite fully understand what's going on here, but I'm going to hit it with a big stick. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, and that's, and then you get that a lot with kids, right? Cause the younger you oh, are, yes. the, the, the less, uh, in, in tune you are with those aspects of mental health and mental wellness. You're not, you're not at the game to try and work through your issues of trying to find out, you know, what your gender identity and stuff like this. It's like, no, I get to roll big dice and he listen to the sound that my placky math rocks make. You know, you're you're doing this in in kind of like, and I know this sounds very, very mean, but you're doing it in a very basic way. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's, no, it's fun, it's great, it's engaging, uh, and you can you can very clearly see those elements to it. Um then of course we can't forget Thor. Thor is probably mm. one of my favorite ones because you see them very rarely uh, in young people, but when you do, it is magic. Thor is a storyteller. Thor is a legend. He is history. He is built upon the back of a grand tale that then is embodied in this game. Uh, you'll often find players will write very, very in tune backstories and uh, fill it with very, very rich lore, and they will know about the world, and they'll know about the cultures, and they'll know about... All this, all these stuff, they are a GM's dream when it comes to uh, engaging with a, a campaign. Um, these particular characters are those who have that kind of artistic spark and who wish to learn how to express it. And those, for me, are the people who are studying and like learning about themselves and learning about you know, where they fit in this world because they are starting to expand their mind beyond just themselves. How am I perceived? Mm-hmm. Where do I go? How do I fit into this world? Um, you know, how do I move in this world? And what can I do? How can I test the boundaries of what is right, what is wrong, uh, what is socially acceptable, what is not? So the Thor character is, for me, one of those ones who you'll find very, very often with people who are, um, you know, kind of, again, exploring these identity things. Now... Thor can also be mistaken for a Loki, and here is, again, the, the Avenger thing works so well, and I can't even begin. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing so, already. So here is how Thors become Lokis. A Loki is someone who pretends to be Thor. They'll write a backstory, they'll have a really, really good idea, they'll throw in together a ton of stuff that'll sound like really good storytelling, but really all it is is kind of making excuses for a ton of broken mechanics because they're really hiding behind the veil of a good story by saying, yes, my grandfather, um, you see, he, um, he, he had a katana, and that katana was attached, <laughs> attached to a musket. Uh, can I have a katana musket? I've just made one, uh, because, you know, my story, very important to my story, that I have a katana musket that does a D12 range damage and is a two-handed melee weapon as well. Very important <laughs> aspects to identify my character. So again, that that for me is a Loki. That is one person who, and and, and in Australia we have a saying. It's called taking the piss, right? Loki's <laughs> take the, Loki's take the piss. Loki's are very much yeah, like yeah. you know. No, you're just having me on. And you know what? Sometimes I'll be like you, cheeky bastard. You know what? Fine. You put in the effort here. Have this thing. Yep. Other times I'm just like, no, no, go back, <laughs> go back and do it again. <laughs> 
Um, I, I can't help but respect a Loki. Like, I mean, anytime I have one player in particular who he'll mm. he'll text things. You know, it's it's at the table. He he'll never come up front in front of everybody. Just mention what his plan or idea is. You'll get a you'll get a boop, and you like look behind the screen and you just look at him and you're either like, okay, I'm into it, or no, stop, <laughs> just stop, please. I'll, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, yeah, no, I know they are endearing for for, for yes, to say the least. Absolutely. They are absolutely endearing. Um, all right, cutting cutting through these super quick. Black Widow, the Black mm-hmm. Widow is uh, is absolutely amazing. They are the silent hero. They, these are the people who um, want to get involved in the game, but may not necessarily engage with the game. People who are quiet. People who don't necessarily put themselves at the front, play a supporting role. Uh, I'm sure you've seen them before. Some people call them wallflowers and the like, but ultimately, <laughs> they play the game well. They enjoy the game. They engage with it. And a lot of people think, and um, and this is just, you know, from culture, from pop culture, you know, and stuff like that, they think that the Black Widow player needs to engage more. People like to turn around and be like, hey, you're not really talking. How, how about some spotlight? And then shine it in your face. <laughs> that for me is like, you, you can't, you shouldn't do that, right? A, a Black mm-hmm. Widow player is not necessarily someone who is too shy to take that spotlight but someone who accepts and enjoys watching the story unfold, enjoying the interactions between their friends as they get hyped up and excited. Some people just gain their energy and gain their wellness through that, you know, and it's a very important thing to accept Black Widows for that, is that they're not there to be the center stage. They don't want it. They don't need it. They're they're perfectly happy and content and fine and enjoying it in the same full capacity as the guy who has shown up you know, in cosplay. Yeah. They just won't, <laughs> you know. Um, and lastly, of That's course, you that. have the Hawk. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, go, 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 please. I was going to say that, that, that definitely reminds me of my wife. She's, she never wants to be the main character. She doesn't want to be, you know, put front and center, even in her own, even in her own big moments, which, you know, she does get, she makes very mm-hmm. interesting plays, but it's always to support yeah. the other players. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I I really like this all, all this like direction you're putting together because I've never actually really thought about like you know a, like a role for each like kind of player like this. But this is this is great. All right, back back to you. Sorry. Yeah, the, the no no that's okay. The uh, and the the last one is the Hawkeye. The Hawkeye mm-hmm. is is you know people people call them the Chad players and stuff like that. They're the per- person who is there to make sure everyone's having a good time. They are the facilitators. They are people who often end up as GMs. Um, they are people who, uh, when they play the game, it is about making sure that everyone's having a good time and everyone feels that support. Everyone feels that kind of nature. Um, I, I for one, uh, am very careful around Hawkeye players because, one, often they're very quick to be the ones to want to GM, which is great, uh, but they are also the ones who can very quickly get beaten down by, you know, Play a player table that they just unprepared for, and I've seen it happen a few times. You know where someone's gotten too excited, they've played two games of D and D and turned around and gone, "I can run a game," and then run it with a bunch of chaos gremlins and go, "I will never GM again." And it's like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> you know, like I could I could have told you where you went wrong there, but you know, like um, you know, I try to nurture Hawkeye players a lot because I love to see them in that position where they're uh, loving the game so much that they do want to just keep GMing, and you know they accept and enjoy the ups as well as the downs. Um, they Hawkeye players, for me, always need to be taken very special care of because what's important for them is they won't put themselves first. 
they won't take the moment to shine. And unlike the Black Widow player, who that's how they get their enjoyment, the Hawkeye player mm -hmm. generally wants to be in the limelight, gen generally wants their fair turn. But what they deem as a fair turn is often everyone else having a turn before I have a turn, you know. And they'll push themselves to the back by accident, you know. Black Widows and, and right. Hawkeyes, they, they don't have, you know, like, again, like in, in the Marvel world, they don't have the special powers. They don't, you know, force themselves into that limelight, into that front zone. But, you know, their role is not, is important and uh, a very, very valid thing to uh, accept and bring in nonetheless. And uh, that, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's the Avengers uh, player roles uh, as, I, as I label them and kind of a little bit on how I, I deal with them as they come up to the table. Now, of course, there are millions of others, uh, you know, like out there, like the Spider-Man, for example, someone who is you know, kind of, uh, you know, picked up and learnt so much about tabletop role-playing that they come in and they're just the absolute MVP superstar on any table. You know, you've got, like, mm -hmm. tons of... I can, I can name a million of them. But ultimately, the, the Avengers lot, the Avengers group, they're the ones, for me, who I look at because these guys individually, great, absolute wonderful role-players, but every single one of them, it takes a measure of balance and table management uh, to be able to make sure that everyone is getting the most out of what they what they want from the game um, and not necessarily like keeping people down, you know, making sure those synergies work and making sure everyone's having uh, the best experience they can. Oh, for sure. And it, I like I like this dynamic, too, in the sense that you're building a team, you know, if everyone is a Hulk, it's it's one kind of game. And if everyone is a Black Widow for this example, you know, maybe that's not the best group to all be playing together. <laughs> right. I mean, if no but one if wants you... to, I mean, I've, I've, I've had, I've had a whole, actually very recently, I had a whole table. Uh, I think it was like three, three, four, four people table where everyone was exactly that. No one wanted to say anything. So I would set a scene. I would say, you know, it's like raining. It's in the middle of the night. You're in a wagon. All of a sudden, you hear a cry coming from nearby. Someone is running through the woods. You see a flash of steel and the sounds of wolves. Uh, and what do you guys do? And no one said anything. I was like, oh. cool. The sound continues. <laughs> They're, you know, like the, the rain is pelting down even more. Suddenly, this person uh, goes out and falls onto the road in front of you. What do you guys do? Uh, and no one even got out of the wagon. Because no one wanted to wow. say anything. Everyone was waiting for someone else to, to say something. Someone else take the first right. step. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like games like that do exist. And they're not. Yeah. I mean, they're not ideal. But you need to know how to manage that. You know, knowing that in ahead. What I, what I should have done, which I eventually learned once I got the vibe on them, was I need to move them. So it turned around and says, as they jump out, all of a sudden, uh, you find yourself springing to action. You thrust open the doors and jump out into the rain as the, you know, wet beats down on you. Uh, do you guys draw your weapons? So it's more asking questions. And they're like, yeah, yes. we draw our weapons. Cool, you draw your weapons. Who wants to attack first? Uh, okay, cool. Let's say that this person is the closest. You can attack first. So I'm taking a more hands-on approach with pulling these guys forward as opposed to a strategy. I would never need to do that with, say, a group of hulks, for example. But what I might right. need to do for yeah. a group of hulks is measure my own expectation. You find a wizard. The wizard has a quest for you. Oh, you've punched the wizard oh, with your no. fist. Okay. Um, well, the wizard's broken, and now you're running from the cops. Oh, okay, cool. We're, we're doing this now. You know, um, uh, for those of you who, who are aware, Cucumber from uh, Perception Studios, wonderful you know, player and uh, puppet um, performer, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I played a, a, a game called Maximum Apocalypse with, with him where I had this whole thing where I had his co-star from his show uh, asking uh, the group for help. And I was like, this will motivate him. He'll go after his co-star stuff. It's like, no, he wants a Donatello ice cream. So he started searching for <laughs> for ice cream in the middle of this this quest. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, screw my idea. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you can pivot, if you can pivot well, uh, yeah, like none of these archetypes will ever be too scary. Maybe a curveball, and, and you mentioned that Hawkeyes can become DMs and GMs. Would mm. you give a role to the GM? I now it, it's it's uh, I mean other than like a Nick Fury where you're you're mm. organizing like this this team, but for your own like sake, like I I'm running games personally more than I'm playing. Doesn't mean I don't like playing. I love playing. But in these like grand campaigns that we put together, you know, everyone comes over and I, I have friends and each one is their own member of this team for sure. I could go through and, and you nailed like the different personalities just from that. And so that's amazing. But as a, a GM yourself, even do you, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm making the assumption that do you also get uh, catharsis from running these games? Cause I definitely do. It's a huge oh. outlet for me. And I just, I, and if I'm, if sucked into work and man, that's just, everything's a drag, the mind just starts going and building plans that, and things I can do for the players. And I, I, I think back on decisions they've made and I'll, I'll laugh at the silliest things like to myself. And it just, it brings <laughs> me joy. Like just throughout all of my life, I'll be sitting in the car practicing voices and all these little things I get to do just because I'm running a game for my friends. And so where, where do you think the GM falls, uh, you know, on, on this team? Um, that's a great question. So uh, I'll I'll address a couple of them uh, first and foremost. Firstly, um, in regards to uh, my own personal experience, um, so mm -hmm. DMing is my my full time job. I, I I do it both at the youth center and I do it uh, online professionally. And so for me, uh, it's a mixture of things. I love my GMing. I love gaming, and I love running running and facilitating these tables. Um, it it fills me both spiritually and uh emotionally uh but there is obviously that that area of fatigue that comes in as well uh in general um and th and that that happens no matter what you're doing you know um right. i don't think that there is a archetype that i could say very definitively because for me every gm kind of has their own style and while there are a few similarities um mostly a GM is based and tied to the experiences that they have as a GM. So if you've had a great, great experience and a good mentor earlier on in your GMing, I guess, let's say career, um, sure. then you tend to follow and adopt a lot of the habits of that particular GM. Uh, if you happen to have gotten into tabletop role playing through, say, Critical Role or Dimension 20, and you are uh, copying the very animated style of Matthew Mercer and Brendan Lee Mulligan. You know these are um, these are these are not necessarily archetypes, but more just the elements in our toolboxes as a GM that shape who we are. So it's a lot more versatile, I think, uh, as a GM because we have so many different influences. It's hard to nail down uh, an archetype. Um, you can definitely tell people. I, I, I think for me, it's like I, I, I more see people based on how experienced a GM they appear to me. Um, you know, if someone is brand spanking new, I can tell almost instantly because, you know, hey, they've made the same mistakes I did. They've 
you know, yeah. approach the game in, in a way that I'm like, okay, cool. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff and bits and pieces that aren't fleshed out or things that they haven't uh, done, you know. Or, for example, um, I can tell that someone has done live streaming, for example, <laughs> the moment they ask me my pronouns when I get to a D&D table. Uh, and I know this is going to sound weird because, yes, we should be obviously, you know, being mindful of people's gender identities and stuff like that. But uh, when someone comes in, there's a certain spiel, I guess, that comes from live streaming where people are like, okay, cool. So what's your character name? Um, what name would you prefer to be go to? What's your pronouns? What are your lines and veils? You know, these are important things. But the moment that the spiel comes out, I'm like, okay, you've done some streaming or you've watched a streamer who's, who's, who's done this sort of thing. <laughs> uh, norm normally when it comes to a game, even a public game, it's like, um, you know, like, no, before I've sat down at the table, you know who I am, you know my name, you know my pronouns. Um, we've discussed the lines and veils likely beforehand, um, you know, bringing it up at the table as well, making it public is a performance in a way, you know. Um, and for me, that's, that's fine, but, you know, like, I'm just like, okay, cool, that's that type. Um, if someone turns around and does the Matt Mercer hand grab thing, Right immediately, I go. Ah, oh, geez, okay. Um, you know, let's 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 enjoy this person's theatrics because we're gonna have lots of antics. NPCs are gonna betray us, and we're gonna be made into goofballs. Um, you know, uh, and we had we had we had a game of that when we played uh, the Firefly RPG way back when. We had a guy who was very very much a, a fan of like that performative stuff, and you know. Like it was just it was it was a whole other thing that was like it was almost trying to replicate, um, like the mannerisms of some of the celebrity GMs that he'd seen. Yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to blame people for that. I mean, it, the, the popularity of those shows and stuff, you know, is just crazy. I mean, it really yeah. has blown up. And yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm thankful for it just because of how many people I see coming up out of like nowhere that are like all of a sudden really interested in this hobby. And it's like, Oh yes, please, please come in, come inside. It's, it's warm. Yeah. We, we need more. We need more. Please, <laughs> please come on. No, but that's, are that's we all true. going to be a Matt Mercer. No, not always, but you know, you're not always going to be a Liam Bryan. So come on, <laughs> let's, let's grow together. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, um, I mean, I think it one thing that's been very empowering uh, recently, and you know, I, I mean, no disrespect in any kind of way of this. It has been so empowering to not see everyone and their dog being a like mid forties white guy with a giant beard playing this game. Uh, it's it's so refreshing to see so many different people from different cultures, uh, different uh, gender identities, different. Uh, reaches uh, now diversifying uh, this community that we've been building. Uh, I remember um, this will kind of remain nameless, but when I first got into TTRPGs, I was in a meeting with a, a bunch of content creators talking about, um, you know, like just you know directions and and how to grow your business and stuff like that. And it, it's it's it was a it was a meeting of some very very you know kind of upper tier. Uh, at the time, streaming groups and stuff, and they were talking about the community and stuff. And I had someone who looked me dead in the eye and said, you're going to be a success. success. Um, <laughs> and I said, why? It's like, because you are not a uh, typical white Caucasian male with a giant beard. You have a unique look to, mm -hmm. to you. And I was like, I, I, I kind of took that in, in two ways, because as, as an actor, I'm very accustomed to being judged on my appearance. Absolutely. And I've got no problem with it either. If, you know, you say, hey, you've got red hair. 
I'm like, cool, thanks. You know, it's the same thing, you know, for me. It's like, I, you know, it's a feature. It's, it's, it's part of my, who I am. As long as you're not, like, kind of discriminating against me, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, you're fine. He's like, yes, you can point out the fact I have dark skin. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way that this guy did it was almost as if that was the merit of what I was doing. And for me, it's like, that sucked. It, it, it really did. Yeah. It was like... It was like, I have a lot to say. I'm a really experienced gamer. I'm a really experienced DM. Um, you know, like, I have so much to offer. And if my success is entirely based on, like, my appearance, I was like, you know, wow, that's, that's, that's something. But in the years that have been since that, that, that incident, that, that thing that happened, um, I yeah. started to see more people getting into this space where uh, that stuff just doesn't matter anymore. And that's wonderful. I mean, when I say it doesn't matter, I don't mean it doesn't matter to the people. I mean, like, people aren't put off or people aren't turning there and expecting uh, it to be D&D uh, &D and the community to be a particular demographic. It's now expanding more and more yeah. and more. And we're seeing so many uh, groups that are there uh, showing that, you know, hey, TTRPGs are for everyone. And they are. Um, it doesn't yeah. matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you believe in. As long as it doesn't involve kids and animals, you know, we're good. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know um, but the great thing is, is that we're all in this space together and we're all learning, growing and uh, just so accepting of each other. And that's just been one of the biggest highlights of being an advocate of TTRPGs, wellness and gaming and all of this stuff. Yeah, the... When we went to Gen Con this year, one of the main takeaways we had was just how incredibly welcoming it is for everyone. Because not only do you see across Dungeons and Dragons and these uh, live shows and everything, you know, people watching on Twitch and everything else, the diversity is is crazy. It, there's it doesn't matter. Everybody is playing everything, and it's awesome. We're all like in this together, and it feels like this hasn't always been like this. So it's super rad. But Gen Con, wow, like everybody from everywhere in the world just seemed so comfortable in their own skin in a way I don't think I've ever seen anywhere. Yeah. It was one of the main things that we talked about after we came back from Gen Con was the general atmosphere of the entire convention and of all the people that were there. It felt great to be at a place like that to see the inclusive nature of this hobby that we're in and yeah. where it seems to be and where it's heading honestly and mm. that's really exciting yeah and you know with with gen con focusing on not just you know uh role-playing games but just tabletop in general it wasn't necessarily something we expected it was this was our first year attending and we kind of were wondering if it was going to be a white dude beard fest and no <laughs> i mean yeah. not 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 at all. It it was really cool. No, absolutely. Uh, this uh, this year was my second uh, Gen Con. I went in 2019 before uh, COVID uh, hit the uh -huh. whole the whole big scene. So I was very fortunate um, for that. Uh, to be honest, I um I remember I remember everything about that event. I remember just how I was feeling. Um, so. I live in Perth, Western Australia. It is a very isolated community, um, you know, as far as, you know, major cities go in Australia. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a very slow-paced city. And here, I'm relatively unknown. Like, no one knows me from a bag of salt, you know, and that's fine. I'm happy with that. Um, sure. So I don't, we don't have conventions uh, like 
anything that like not like PAX, not like I mean we have PAX Australia, but like that's in Melbourne. We don't have anything yeah. locally. We don't have anything to grow uh, our community in that way. So when I went to Gen Con, it was with a guy from How to Be a Great GM, uh, Janet from World Anvil, and uh, a few uh, a few small friends that we we travel together with. Because at the time, I think we were doing uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh uh, for the D and D channel. So we were all yeah. there. We were all like socializing and stuff. And I had never met any of my fans. I'd never interacted with them personally or anything like that. But the moment I got there, all of a sudden, just seeing that kind of acceptance, that community, people rushing up to me, wanting to take photos, wanting to hang out, wanting to say hi, wanting to tell me about their their experiences and stuff like that. Um, for yeah. me, that was just, uh, it was just mind-blowing. Um, I, I, I could barely fathom how that worked, you know. And having since gone to other conventions, um, including, of course, PAX Australia, for me, there is nothing that even comes close to comparing to Gen Con. Like, um, like even when I went to PAX, it was it was fine. It was great, but it felt mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, a video game convention with some D and D thrown in. Whereas Gen Con was just gaming and tabletop and these this this just this gathering of people. Um, you know, everyone bringing their friends, their families, their their gaming tables to this place. Where they can be surrounded by that 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 level of acceptance is just, it's it's something unique. And if you've not, if you're listening to this and you've not gone to Gen Con, uh, even if it's once in your life, guys, make the trip, try it out. It's you know, like you 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 literally won't be traveling further than I had to to get to God the God thing. Uh, but <laughs> but um but no, I, I not not once have I ever gone to a Gen Con and gone, wow, that was such a waste of time, or wow, I really didn't enjoy myself. I I got to the end of it completely destroyed, you know, like stamina and physical wise, <laughs> and then turned around and got, oh my god, I cannot believe that that just happened, and I want to do it again right now. Yep. Hey, <laughs> for like I said, this is our first year going. I have a I have a countdown widget. It's probably the only widget I've actually installed, gone on a way to install on my phone, and it's just counting down to Gen Con, because yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, PAX Unplugged is coming up soon, and there are other conventions, but yeah, I've we've been to PAX. PAX, you you nailed it. It's it's video games with you know some some D and D and some Magic Gathering stuff thrown in there, but it's nothing really compares like that. You know, borderline week. You know, between travel time and everything, like. Even the journey there and the journey back home, you're you're hyped. Like even all the way back, you're like, that was great. Wow. And then you're like home and you just collapse. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. it it it's really it was really fun and really neat. And we we definitely can't wait to go back. Um it, it, I wish the world had had more things like that. And I it's such a big event. Maybe that's not really, you know, feasible. <laughs> we all just get this out of our system once, you know, once a year, and we, that's why it's so great. Maybe, but I, I'm glad it exists, and we're definitely going to be attending, you know, next year, and hopefully every year after that, as long as they'll have us. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, no, and we'll definitely be going back. Yeah, I'm. I'm also trying to uh, to make it into a regular thing. Um, originally, I hadn't intended to. I originally planned to do it like every couple of years. Um, yeah. but things are moving quite well, uh, with some of the shows that I'm in, including, of course, Careful Cantrip, uh, yep. which are the people who I was doing stuff with at Gen Con. 
Uh, and I'm slowly starting to work on a few things with Paizo as well. And um, right. with any luck, uh, yeah, once if all that works out, I might be going from like the idea of going every second year to actually, yeah, attending, pro probably attending every year if I can. Oh, that's amazing. We, our, our focus on this podcast and this channel in general has been Dungeons and Dragons, but I got to spend some time at Gen Con talking to Rudiki about Pathfinder and everything they've got coming up with Starfinder and such. And since then, Richard has been on this big, we need to play <laughs> Starfinder kick. <laughs> and I'm like, just do it, please. Like, I really, I'm there with you. I want to play in this world. And, you know, part of this was also is we were already having these discussions like on like day two. And then we went to your game of the, oh, yoink, it's not D&D, it's Pathfinder. And then he's like, ah, look. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, like this is this is literally what we needed to like, this is the transition <laughs> example. Oh, I, lo so. I, I, lo I love that. I, um, yeah, no, that was a lot, that was a lot of fun. Um, so there's a, there's a big ongoing joke about me being the Pathfinder guy. And, yeah. um, you know, usually because I, I, and look, you know, like I tell this to people all the time, Pathfinder's a very robust system. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. say it's complex because I teach it to 10 year olds, you know, it's not complex. <laughs> it's sure. robust. There's a lot of stuff to it. Right. Uh, but for me, because I have to learn uh, and play so many different systems through the breach, uh, city of mist, um, kids on bikes, Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, Starfinder, you know, millions of these things. I, yeah. I get rules wrong all the time. You know, <laughs> I, I make mistakes all over the shop. And it's always really funny because everything tends to default to Pathfinder because that's what I play the most. So, like, little things like when we're playing um, um, uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and it's like, oh, he stood up, attack of opportunity. It's like, no, you don't provoke attacks of opportunity. You just spend half your movement, dag, you Pathfinder, you. And I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and then, you know, like little, little things like that. So when it came to planning for the Gen Con thing, it was, uh, so what if I told them they're playing 5e characters, then just ran Pathfinder. And then yeah. uh, I think we were talking about it. It was just like, well, as long as they have characters and we don't have to like build characters in front of the audience. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll work it out. It's fine. Um, so that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And, um, and yeah, the group, the group was amazing. I mean, the group is, is amazing. Like, how, like, like one of the best things about being in this industry is like getting to play games with my friends. Um, before I forget, I was going to say, if you are looking at taking those first steps into Starfinder, uh, let me know. I would be willing to run you guys like a podcast one shot for you guys to have on your channel if you would like an introduction to Starfinder. You're a madman. I, <laughs> that would I, be amazing. <laughs> look, I love, honestly, I love games. And if there's a opportunity for me to introduce people to Pathfinder or Pizer product and stuff, I, I the reason I'm so obsessed with it is because I I love it. It is it is one of my favorite things to do. Um, like my two favorite my two favorite systems are, uh, sorry I say Pathfinder, closely followed mm -hmm. by a game called Through the Breach, which is uh, done by the folks at Weird. Uh, another amazing game. If you love Deadlands, check that one out. And uh, Starfinder. I love these games. Um, I I wish I had more people who knew how to run them. Uh, so in order to make that, in order to make that happen, I, I, I usually offer myself, especially for people who haven't played and want to try it out. I'm like, yeah, no, hit me up. I'll, I'll make the time. I'll make the effort and we'll, um, we'll run a game. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll be great.
one of those pay it forward things too. Yeah. Like if I yeah. run this for you, Richard, you have to run a game for someone else. Oh, I, I that. I'm <laughs> so interested in running Starfinder. And actually that was kind of my next question to you, which you've kind of answered uh, roundabout, which is when you're doing this stuff, when you're running these games over there, uh, you're chiefly running Pathfinder then, right? Uh, yeah. M well, okay. So at the youth center, I run m at the moment I'm running Pathfinder first edition on one table and second edition on another table, but that that game uh, mostly the children dictate what they want to play. So sometimes we'll we'll get into that, or sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, let's play some D and D," or "Hey, maybe we need to play some Maximum Apocalypse," or "Through the Breach," or uh, you know, "Let's play." Oh, I heard of this new game system. Uh, let's try it out. Um, weirdly enough, as well, I've used some of my benefits from being a content creator with the kids. So I'll often be get given uh, beta scripts or things that are about to go on Kickstarter to try out. And I use nice. them as my guinea pigs to be like, hey, cool, guess what? Freely just sent me a copy of The Walking Dead. We're going <laughs> to learn how to play because I need to learn how to play. And by teaching it, I learn a little bit more. Uh, and so and so they enjoy that and they love they love the experience and stuff uh, to to try out those different things. So um, yeah. so it, in short. Yes, Pathfinder is still my most played, and on my channel I have my Patreon games, which are all Pathfinder, uh, but I do regularly shift um, to other games. Plus, whenever I'm on other channels, usually we're playing D&D. So, like, yeah. uh, I, do, I do a ton of guest spots on different channels. Like, I know D20 Deathmatch has their own game system, Careful Country uses D&D, Quincy's Tavern uses D&D, uh, I'm playing City of Mist with uh, the crew over at One Shot Questers, you know, just, yeah. You can see why I have trouble with rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind of doing everything. Mm. It, it, we've we've recently uh, branched out and started playing, you know, dipping our toes into different you know systems and such. And for the most part, they seem to at least the ones we've picked been uh, dice pool systems, or you know, still like D six in one way or, or another. But I mean, other than Richard being interested in Starfinder now. Nothing has been overly complicated. Oh, and I say overly complicated just because Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition is the more complicated. Not saying it's very complicated because it's pretty streamlined uh, other than, you know, every once in a while the players are like, why do you not remember the rules for literally everything? I'm like, please just tell me what your spell does. <laughs> just read yep, the line. Yeah. Remind okay. me, please. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I very unashamedly do that. I tell I tell this to all my all my players. <laughs> Listen, I will forget your name. I will forget what you're yep. doing. I will forget what your abilities are because the only thing I expect from you is to know your name, know who you are, and know what's on your character sheet. That's yes. it. <laughs> right. I don't need you to know anything else. But if I ask you what Scorching Ray is, it's like, yes, I know Scorching Ray. I know Scorching Ray fires a bunch of rays, and I know that they do D6 damages. But you need to tell me how many you fire and what I need to do if I need to make a saving throw, which I don't because it's mm -hmm. an attack action. But nonetheless, you need to be able to tell me that, not the other way around. Right. Yeah, because I'm not the book. You have the book. That's what you use to make this character. To take it, make it, you know, make it a whole thing. Um, but there's Please a nice help way me to carry do it. this burden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and that's actually going swinging back a little bit to the mental wellness thing. Let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. You know, carrying yes. a burden. There is uh, definitely a weight that GMs carry. A certain responsibility. Where if you accept the role of a GM, you feel as though you are facilitating the fun for everyone. Now, there are times where you are going to have a bad game. You're going to have an absolute horror story of a game. It will happen. There's no avoiding it. There's no 
pretending like it doesn't exist. Yeah. When that happens, you need to remember a couple of things. The first is, is that GMing is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something you enjoy that enriches you in the same kind of way as playing would, where you feel as though facilitating this game has made your friends happy and has made you happy. If you ever get to a point where you're GMing out of obligation or because, you know, uh, you, you absolutely don't want to, but you don't want to disappoint everyone, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to do that in the middle of a game. You could have a scene that is just a little too heavy, turn around to your players and say, hey guys, that was a lot of fun, but I just need a quick break. Let's take five, you know, go grab a drink, go to the bathroom and stuff like that. I'm going to prep the next encounter, have a bit of a moment to myself, and then keep yeah. going. That is okay. It is perfectly okay for you to do that as a GM because it's a wait. The secret is no one tells you this when you become a GM, but your real skill is continually losing against your players <laughs> and having yeah. that be okay. That's it. Oh, That's I, the trick. I tell mine all the time. I, I'm I'm like, look, I, I'll never understand this this player versus DM mentality unless you know it's the DM or GM that is purposely setting that up. They're the the red skull of the DMs. <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah. That's it. it. <laughs> It's my joy from this game when I'm running a game is when the players succeed. I do mm. not want the big bad to beat them at the end of the game because that doesn't feel good for me either. I want yeah. them to have have leveled from from these like low level adventures at level one all the way up to twelve or something, and then beating the vampire you know lord at the end of a campaign, and everybody celebrates, and we get to you know, have each player tell me what their character does, you know, over the rest of their life or next few months. And I, I give this big, like grand outro or something, the campaign, we put a bow on it and we put that away in the memory box. I don't mm -hmm. want to be like, Oh yeah. And then, um, that's, that's how it goes, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then I tell a really somber ending and eventually ask everybody like, okay, do you want to try that again with like other characters or something? Or do we just leave it at that? <laughs> it's just, it's weird there. No, I want everyone to succeed. That's that's the point of this. We're 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 all winning together. I don't mm. I don't ever want to be the sole victor and my players are sad. That's awful. I don't want that at all. I mean, he says this, but then we recently just played ten candles. That's uh, a very different <laughs> game. That one started <laughs> off in which it ended very poorly for everyone involved. And I told oh, you yeah. up yeah. front before this game ever began, I'm like, this is a game where we w no one will live. You will you will all unfortunately pass at the end. Yeah. It's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those interesting games too, though. Uh, Ten Candles, which we just played recently. Quietest, which we played recently, uh, as well as Alice is Missing, which we oh, played man. a little while ago as well, which are all very heavy games for mm. everyone involved, game masters and players. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of those games where, you know, like especially Alice, that was, I think, one mm. that was pretty big where you kind of had to step back for a second and had to like really think about what, you were playing and how emotionally invested everybody was getting in the game. Yep. We, oh, that's yeah. another one. We, it's been months since we finished that one. That one came up today, like at work. <laughs> yeah. We, we still talk conversation about today. those types of games. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, man, could we, could we play that again? Like it, it I mean, I'm sure we could, like if we were introducing it to new, like a, whole, a mostly new group, could me and Richard oh. be involved in that game again and play different characters and stuff? Absolutely. We could, but the emotional weight of that first run around, just, I just gonna stick with us forever. 
No, absolutely. I I understand. I um I played a ten candles game at PAX Australia, not this year, but the the year previously, with uh mm-hmm. some some performers and actors, and um yeah, it got it got super like there were tears. There were there was it was a whole yeah. whole mess of things. Um. So so yeah, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I think um. I think with those particular games, it's also important to have those check-ins as well. You know, oh, just yes. where your emotional yeah. stress is and where where your head's at. I, as a GM, am. See, here's the thing. I I like to consider myself like a Guardians of the Galaxy GM. Going back to the Marvel stuff. What I like to do is I like grand adventures. I like people to be able to play silly buggers, but then when, you know, when it's time to, like, ride or die, you know, you, you put your big boots on and you, you do the thing. Um, the only time people will tend to die is when, in my head at least, um, I have no cause, reason, or rhyme to, not, uh, to help you not die. And that's it. Uh, like they're like actually quite uh, yesterday. Yesterday we had a a player death on one of my Patreon games, um, and this person had uh, died three times over the course of the uh, the adventure with the same oh. character, with um, <laughs> just some some fiddly stuff that happened with his bloodline and some magic and his his ancestors and stuff. And he, he got resurrected a couple of times and and yada yada. In this particular mm-hmm. instance, um, the group was traveling in a narrow cave system where a frost giant was trying to get past them. The frost giant just basically said, move out of the way. He was being a douchebag, you know, giant trapped underground. He's just like, get out of my way, you know, yada, yada. And uh, the group, you know, some of the group moved and some of the group decided, no, we're going to attack this guy because he's a douche, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And uh, as they started attacking it, he's like, hey, you know, you're, you're attacking me. I'm going to attack you back. Um, yeah. And turned around and then whopped the person who did the most damage to him, uh, which happened, which happened to be the sorcerer in close proximity. Sorcerer got cleaved in half and ripped into pieces. Now, for me, in that moment, I was like, I don't need to hit you twice. But here's the thing. Everything that follows this point is supposed to be super scary, super dangerous. And... Very much, uh, you are traveling in the coven of, sorry, in the warren of a hag coven, right? This is supposed to be something terrifying. Right now, you guys are kind of like, eh, this is a picnic. Oh, a frost giant. Hey, Mr. Frost Giant, you were mean to us, so we're going to stab you. And it's like, hmm, how are you now? Okay, I guess. And in that moment, it was just, uh, okay, they are in the fuck around and find out mode. They're about to find out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and they found out. Uh, they found out frost giants are not something easily meddled with. Um, so in in those regards, um, like that's where I guess death and uh, stuff like that happen in my games. Very rarely will it be an unceremonious death, unless it's like an NPC. But what follows is equally important, and that is what happens after the character dies. Are you going to have a character death that is just, oh, well, cool, cool, we're going to keep going and you can go make a new character. Or you can try to give them a, an epilogue, an actual bookend to their adventure, which is what I prefer to do. So with this particular yeah. character, I then had this person sort of awaken in the realm of the dead. 
guided by someone who is a spokesperson for the realm of the dead, who tries to help people come to terms with the fact that they have passed on, making sure that they aren't remaining with any unfinished business. So they sat down with them in this beautiful garden. There was water trickling over this uh, small pond with fish in it. And they started talking, talking about their life, talking about the things that they had achieved, things that they had done, things that they would have preferred to have done. And to realize that they could let those things go by allowing their allies to take this, this burden off them. And once they shed that burden, um, they were able to pass on. And we had hmm. that whole scene where they, they, they then did, you know, pass over the bridge uh, and disappear. Now, unfortunately, he was going to a bad place because of the deal that he had struck in order to stay alive. So it was kind of like this, like <laughs> almost a, a, like, a, like Infinity Wars moment. Well, you're making lots of Marvel references. Uh, can you tell I like Marvel? <laughs> anyway, uh, so as they started crossing over the bridge, the water in the pond turned to acid, and the bridge itself started to <laughs> rot and decay and fall into the water as he was walking across the bridge. His clothes oh. started to, like, sear off, and eventually he just kind of had this peaceful look on his face as he just, like, him, the bridge, and the water just, like, transformed into dust, and then it returned back to the beautiful garden, and no sign of him remained. For me, I was like, oh, that was <laughs> great. It was so beautiful. It was such, a, it's such an amazing thing because, uh, long story short, he sold his uh, soul to uh, his ancestor who was a black dragon. Okay. And, and so that's where the acid and the decay and the rot and all that sort of stuff came in. Um, so it was such a good moment. But I think if I had instead just like fast-forwarded us to just continuing on, who cares if he died, I feel like that as a as a player you've put so much effort and time into this character and it's just over you know i don't get to role play this character anymore i don't get to do anything with this character anymore but those scenes kind of give you that chance to actually grieve to mourn to say farewell yeah you you really nailed it there and it, it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier with you know you kind of put a piece of yourself in these characters and if I spend all this time and you, you really do. You spend hours and hours sometimes like days, like like uh, just of gameplay time with your friends and stuff, embodying these characters like that are, you know, little, little bits of me and little bits of each other. And to just have it snuffed away and to not get that closure. That's rough. But to have some, you know, some more, some moments like, like you just mentioned and be able to like, okay, these are the last moments I'm going to play this character. I'm going to, mm. I'm going to get some things off my chest. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to say what I need to say. And uh, yeah, that's it. And then you can feel like the character gets closure as, as well as the player. And yeah. I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that, and that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, we're not here to make people cry. We're not here to, uh, you know, like, um, you know, be the big cheese and try to win this game. We're here to tell a story yeah. and have a journey with each other and uh, be a part of that journey together. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so, so wonderful to be able to, um, to get to see people's reactions to moments like that, to see moments where everyone gets to just have that piece of the story focused on them, what they're doing. And, you know, um, be accepted, you know, it's like with Gen Con, being accepted by the people around you. Because what are we doing if not making a mass hallucination that everyone is buying into? <laughs> right. 
Uh, but it's such a fun time, though. I'm I'm glad we get to I'm glad we experience you know get to experience all this with people like you, Dak. And uh, this community is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, real quick before we uh before we wrap up for today, even though I would love to just go for actual hours. Uh, any any last things you want to get across, Dag? Um, I guess the one thing that I've got to say is, um, whatever your uh whatever your TTRPG wants and needs, why why ever you happen to be playing this game, uh, remember there is only one true rule when it comes to TTRPGs, and that is you are allowed to have all the fun you want so long as it is, so long as it is not at the expense of someone else at the table. Have a great time. Yep. Have an amazing journey. Uh, don't be afraid of the bad moments because they will make you stronger. Embrace the good moments because they're beautiful and they will solidify your love of the game. And most importantly, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to make yourself stand out. Don't be afraid to be yourself around these people that are near you. Chances are they're going through or have been through something similar. And this is just a great middle ground meeting place where we can share the one uniting love that we have for this game uh, with one another. You can make me cry, Dag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you make this beautiful. stuff up on the spot, but man, you're really good at it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's almost like it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You're, you're overqualified, if nothing else. Well, uh, last thing I'll ask of you then uh, tonight. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, well, people can find me over on my Twitch channel for the most part at twitch.tv slash gamer, where I do uh, a ton of live streams, mostly live plays with uh, fellow comrades in arms as well as my Patreons. Uh, I do a uh, game with Careful Cantrip, which is a uh, group of TTRPG streamers on twitch.tv slash Careful Cantrip. Uh, we've recently wrapped up our campaign too. Uh, the finale was quite epic, so if you would like to see uh, what I was talking about in terms of like, you know, ending games and stuff like that. That's a great place to start. Uh, I'm also a uh, GM running stuff with none other than uh, Duke from One Shot Questers. We are just wrapping up our second act, I guess, of a podcast that we're doing uh, called Monsters in the Mist, where we play a City of Mist game, which is a modern take on uh, role-playing adventure where a group of individuals are trying to put the monsters back into the monster manual in a modern day city. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's what I'm up to at present. I mean, you're up to more than most folks. So <laughs> I don't have time for it all. I know you said your job, but wow. <laughs> Do you sleep? Yeah. I think, I think right now, <laughs> I, I think right now my schedule is 12 games a week. I want to say. Oh man. Yeah. I, I do about, yeah, I do about 12 games do a week, it, but that's so cool. Well, thank you. Yet again, for real, thank you for making time for us. Yeah, uh, no, we appreciate it. It was, it was oh, my a blast pleasure. talking to you, and and this is a subject that's very important to us, and I, it's near, it seems near and dear to your heart as well, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to come up again for us, but, it, you know, thank you so much. But for oh, now, I've been Tyler. And I've been Richard. This is where you say, and I've been Michael or Dad. Oh, and, I, I, and I've been Michael, the dead Aussie gamer. <laughs> and we've been True, True Strike, Strike. <laughs> Hey adventurers Thanks again for joining us today Please be sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcasting platforms And YouTube If there's any questions you'd like to write into the show You can hit us up on Threads or Instagram New episodes release every Tuesday at 2pm Eastern Thank you for listening to True Strike True Strike